Well, welcome to the wild. Welcome to a beautiful snowy evening here in Allendale, Michigan. Uh, my name is Ben Post. For those of you I have not yet met, I would like to do that. Uh, I'm on staff with Campus Ministry, and I'm excited about tonight. Okay, so a little icebreaker question for you guys was, name a time when you were disappointed. What an uplifting icebreaker, right? Uh, so over Christmas break, my family and I, we went on vacation, and we went to Indian Rocks Beach, Florida. Anybody, want, anybody been to Indian Rocks Beach, Florida before? Clearwater? Anybody been to Clearwater? Okay, it's like right by Clearwater, a little bit south of Clearwater. Um, if you could dim the lights just a little bit so we can see those pictures better, that would be helpful. Uh, raise your hand if you wish you were right here right now instead of where you are, right? Can I get an amen, right? Okay, so uh, we went to Indian Rocks Beach for vacation for a week just before Christmas, me and Stacy and our two boys, Jaden and Eli. Uh, and we usually have not great vacation luck, but that's fine, whatever. We're excited about going to Florida and it's gonna be amazing. Uh, and just in case the weather isn't perfect, um, we also went to a place where we, we stayed here. So we stayed at this water park so that our boys could have a really good time just in case the, wa you know, the weather wasn't perfect for Ideal Beach Day or whatever. So sometimes things don't necessarily go as you hope or anticipate, okay? So the first morning, uh, we woke up and uh, it was 10 o'clock in the morning, the water park opened, and so I brought the boys down to the water park to go play. 10 o'clock in the morning, I think it was 55 degrees. Seems like a good time to go to a water park, right? But as we looked at the forecast, it was gonna rain. And so we got to the water park as soon as it opened. We're the only people there. Uh, and I'm like, this is, you know, a thing you're supposed to do as a dad, but I do not want to be in the water right now, right? Within 30 minutes, Eli turned purple. So we were like, okay, we're not doing this anymore, and we called it. Uh, we went back to the room. We took baths for like, you know, six days. No, just kidding. Um, but then it started to rain. And it rained, and it rained. And it rained for three straight days nonstop. So while we were trying to figure out where to go and what to do with these small children, uh, when we're supposed to be doing this all day every day, we did not. Um, we were disappointed. So finally the sun comes out after we saw a movie or something like that, and we went to the beach because the sun's like, oh my gosh, the sun's out, let's go. So we went to the beach, and we got out of the car, and there were 35-mile-an-hour winds and the sand was just like blasting us. And Eli was like, no, you know, because the sand was like getting in his eyes. We're like, this is also a bad idea, okay? The sun's out, but we still can't even go outside. So we decided, okay, let's go visit family about an hour away and go get dinner with them. So we're driving to family to go get dinner, and Eli throws up in the back seat in the brand new rental car that literally had like 100 miles on it. We're like, sorry. Uh, the next night, I think, I, my timeline's a little funny. I think the next night, Stacy and Jaden were up all night puking. Uh, the sun finally had come out that day, but we were all laying in bed sick. And then we had one nice day, and then we flew home the day after that. It was amazing, actually. Sometimes things don't go. Here's, here's a little uh, graphic of what was going on here. So we have... We have a, uh, a history of having really bad vacations, and the, the campus ministry staff know this. 
And so Tanner actually texted me in the middle of the week and said, dude, how's the weather? He literally had no idea. I sent him that. And he's like, you got to be kidding me right now. Sometimes things don't go as we hope or anticipate. Poor Jaden and Eli, they were so disappointed. The next morning after, uh, after the first day when we played in the water for like 30 minutes, the next morning we got Eli dressed, his jeans are on, his raincoat is on, ready to go outside. And then I saw he put his puddle jumper on. And I was like, no, Eli, sorry, dude, we're not, we're not going to go swimming. We're not going to play in the water today. <laughs> I want to play in the water, Daddy. And that's what he did. I feel you, buddy. I was wishing for a different outcome as well on our vacation. But alas, sometimes life includes moments when things we are hoping for or anticipating don't actually go as planned. Uh, and, you know, I would be... Okay. Uh, we were disappointed on our vacation, and that would be putting it very mildly. We were downright angry at times, right? Uh, we just hard when you spend all this money and you anticipate this and instead you get this, right? Anybody feel this? Anybody had this kind of experience before? You were like, I can't wait for X and then instead it's this and you're like, this is not even close. What we were hoping for and what reality was, there's a wide gap here and that's where the disappointment meets us. And so what do we do when we are met with disappointment? Uh, tonight we're going to look at a story uh, where Jesus actually, I think, disappoints a crowd of people, where they are hoping and they are anticipating this, but instead it's going to be this. Uh, and so we're going to continue our series with Jesus in Jerusalem. Uh, maybe you're, if you've been hanging with us for the last few weeks, Jesus is on his way from the Galilee region down south towards Jerusalem. He was in Jericho uh, last week. Uh, we'll get to the map later. Uh, anyway, they're on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Passover is one of the three festivals in the Old Testament where God told his people, everybody needs to go to Jerusalem to worship me during these three holidays. Passover was probably the biggest and the most important one. So thousands and thousands and thousands of pilgrims are making their way towards Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Now, I think it would be helpful. I'm saying, okay, Passover, what is Passover? In the book of Exodus in chapter 1, God's people, the Israelites, are enslaved in Egypt. And I think this verse kind of paints a little bit of a picture for us. Exodus chapter 1, verse 13. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. And this went on for 400 years. 400 years of misery and disappointment. But eventually God raises up this leader by the name of Moses. Many of you are familiar with the story. And God says to Moses, I want you to be the leader of my people and I want to have you help bring my people out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, into the promised land where there will be freedom and hope. And Moses is like, uh, me? I don't think so. And God's like, yes, you. I'm going to have you do this. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, I don't think so. So God sent these 10 plagues on the Egyptians to kind of punish them, if you will, to help uh, Pharaoh kind of 
loosen his grip on this situation. The tenth plague was by far the worst. God sent an angel of death down to kill all the oldest children, the firstborn children of the Egyptians. Came down one night, killed all the firstborn children of the Egyptians. But the angel would pass over the houses of the Israelites. And so after this happened, Pharaoh said, okay, we can't take this anymore. You get your people out of here. And Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, into freedom. So Jesus and his disciples and their caravan are on their way to celebrate this Passover, to celebrate freedom from oppression. Now turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. If you do not have a Bible and would like one, you can go ahead and raise your hand. We have some people in the back that would love to get you a Bible so you can follow along. You can also use your phone or iPad or whatever you might have with you as well. Mark chapter 11. Start in verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they said to them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. Okay, we'll stop there for a minute. Okay, so the text says in verse 1, they were nearing Jerusalem towards Bethphage and Bethany and coming up to the Mount of Olives. Okay, a couple of maps and pictures here for you. Jesus was in Galilee, came down towards Jericho. We were in Jericho two weeks ago, and Scott shared the story of uh, Bartimaeus. Okay, so they're in Jericho, and now they have to make the trek from Jericho towards Jerusalem. Here's a 3D map of what that journey might have looked like. Okay, Jericho down here in the valley, very plain, lush, amazing place. And then you have to climb about 3,000 feet in elevation over the course of about 15 miles. If you're going down from Jerusalem to Jericho today, your ears are popping on the bus because it's that much of a change in elevation. Not only that, it's also a desert. It's a very difficult journey on the way up to Jerusalem from Jericho. Here on the ridge, you see these three towers. Those three towers are the modern-day Mount of Olives. Okay, so you're coming from Jericho, you're heading up towards Jerusalem, and there is the Mount of Olives there. And right on the other side of the Mount of Olives is where the temple would have stood so here's a picture from the other side. You can see the Dome of the Rock. Here is where the Temple Mount stands or used to stand during the time of Jesus, looking back towards the Mount of Olives. So this is just kind of a picture of where they are journeying together. And they are coming up to the Mount of Olives. And as they go over the Mount of Olives, then they start to come down towards the Temple area. The story that we're reading tonight is the story of the triumphal entry. Uh, Palm Sunday. It's not literally Palm Sunday today, but we're pretending it's Palm Sunday. And so every year in Israel, uh, in Jerusalem, they celebrate Palm Sunday, uh, and they have these people line up on the street down the Mount of Olives. This is likely the route uh, that Jesus would have come down the Mount of Olives towards the temple. 
just to kind of give you, it's a modern day street, obviously, but it gives you a little bit of a picture of what it might have looked like. Uh, okay, so also, we talked about this a little bit in the program meeting this week. The donkey. I mean, isn't this story a little bit weird? Now, let's, let's think about this for a second. Let's pretend that you are the owner of this donkey. And you're standing there minding your own business, hanging out outside in your front yard. And all of a sudden, these strangers come over and begin to untie your donkey. Uh, excuse me. Can I help you? The Lord needs it. Oh, okay. Like that clears up everything, right? Now, just imagine for a second, you're going to walk out of here tonight and somebody else is getting in your car, right? And you're like, uh, excuse me, can I help you? The Lord needs it. Oh, that clears up everything. Go ahead, right? It's just a little bit of a weird thing that's going on in this story. Um, but it's Passover, and the people in Jerusalem at this time were exceptionally hospitable. Okay, so this past week, my, news, my, my Facebook news feed was like people in Grand Rapids that don't have power and people in Grand Rapids that do have power inviting people that didn't have power to come on over, right? It's hospitality. You're, people that are in need, there's people that, you know, you need to charge your devices, you need to take a shower, you need a place to sleep, whatever it is, it's hospitality. And that's what's going on here. The guy's like, okay, somebody needs my donkey, go ahead, borrow it, no problem. The Lord needs it. Oh, okay. It's just a funny phrase to me. Sorry. Okay, so we're going to continue in the story, but I'm going to need your help. Okay? So I need everybody to stand up, and we are going to experience the story of the triumphal entry together. Okay? So everybody stand up, and I need two voluntolds who've already been told who they are, uh, Elijah and Luke. You guys are going to head in the back over here. Uh, and one of you is going to be Jesus, and the other is going to be the donkey. And I'll let you guys figure out who that's going to be. Okay? Some of you guys are receiving palm branches, which are very nice palm branches. Okay? Now, as we read this story, I want you to, I want you to envision yourself actually here on this day 2,000 years ago. Okay? So when I read something, you need to do what I'm reading. Okay, you guys are the crowd. You got it? I know we haven't practiced, but I believe in you. Okay. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. Good. It's a good start. And Jesus sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road. Some others spread leafy branches on the road that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed. Okay, those who went before, so there's people that are like in a parade in front. Those who went before, there you go, come on. And those who followed, you can do it, okay. You guys are shouting, okay? So repeat after me. Repeat after me. Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed, is he Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Blessed is the coming kingdom of our Father David. Hosanna in the highest. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and have a seat. Good job. Thanks. Thanks for lending your coats and stuff. That was helpful. Uh, if you are one of the lucky ones with a palm branch, we will collect them after the service as well, just FYI. You can also just leave them on the floor. That's fine. Okay, so this story is a familiar story. If you've been going to church for a while, this story is pretty familiar. Good job. Thanks for your coat, Tim. Right? This story is a familiar story. But it's so weird like, it's familiar, but it's weird. Like, what's going on in the story? So Jesus and his disciples are just walking from Jericho up to Jerusalem, and all of a sudden there's all these people that have palm branches, and they're throwing their coats on the floor, and they're singing and shouting and dancing. What, what's going on here? Why is this happening? The thing that's most interesting to me is we noted this in our uh, program team meeting this week. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. So Luke includes the next part of this story uh, that Mark decides to not include for some reason. Mark was the shortest gospel, so maybe that's why. But Luke chapter 19, verse 38 is when they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then verse 39, and some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, as he crested over the Mount of Olives, and he saw the city of Jerusalem, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. This is the word of the Lord. What? Okay, let me, let, me, let me get this straight here. They are singing and dancing and having this big party and this big parade and there's thousands of people that are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the very next verse, nothing even happens. The very next verse, Jesus comes over the hill, he sees the city and he starts weeping. Why are people celebrating and Jesus is weeping? In fact, the Greek word for weeping here is not just like, you know, he sort of has tears in his eyes. He is weeping loudly, deeply, deeply grieved. Why is Jesus weeping like this at a time like this? Doesn't this seem like it's a good thing? Isn't this a good party, a good celebration? There's, I mean, we love to celebrate Palm Sunday. Why is Jesus crying about it? I think there'll be some things that could help us uh, gain some insights. There are four objects in this story. There's a donkey, there's cloaks, there's palm branches, and there's 
songs. I want to look briefly at these four objects, and I think that these four objects will help shed some light on what's going on with this story. Okay, so we have a donkey. Uh, I think this donkey alludes to a prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus is actually fulfilling one of his countless prophecies uh, by riding a donkey, kind of proving to be a messianic king. Um, also, King Solomon also rode on a donkey during his coronation uh, procession as well in 1 Kings chapter 1. So I think these texts kind of show us that there's this celebration of a coronation of some sort of king happening here with, with, the, with the donkey aspect, okay? Number two, we have these cloaks, okay, or the coats. They spread their cloaks on the ground or on the donkey. Usually at that time, you would have one cloak. You owned one. You would wear this long t-shirt underneath, kind of like an undergarment or undershirt, if you will, and you put your one cloak over top. And if there was, uh, the only reason you take off your cloak is in a time like this, it was a symbolic act to signify that somebody was worthy of praise. They laid it on the street, they laid it on the donkey for Jesus and the donkey to walk on. And spreading their cloaks um, represented this royal worship, reverence for a king, essentially saying, I would do anything for you. Two weeks ago, uh, when we were looking at the Bartimaeus story in Jericho, Scott noted that uh, Bartimaeus also removed his cloak and he ran to Jesus. It's a similar kind of idea here. Um, in Jehu, in Jehu, in 2 Kings chapter 9, Jehu was crowned king and they also had the spreading of cloaks. They quickly took their cloaks and spread them under, the, under him on the bare steps. Then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. So the spreading of the cloaks on the street and on the donkey was essentially rolling out the red carpet for the king. What kind of king? What kind of king are they anticipating or expecting Jesus to be? Okay, number three, we have these palm branches Okay, palm trees are actually in Jerusalem, and Jericho is known as the city of palms. There's lots and lots and lots of palm trees in Jericho. So what's going on with the palm branches? Why do people have palm branches? Why are they, you know, waving them? Why are they spreading them on the road? I think this is an interesting possibility. Okay, so about 150 years or so before Jesus, there's a guy by the name of Alexander the Great. You've heard of him? Yes? Great. Uh, he was great, and he kind of ruled the world, took over the world. Eventually, he died in battle, and his kingdom was divided between a few of his generals. His generals were kind of fighting for power. They want, each wanted to be the next Alexander the Great. Eventually, Antiochus Epiphanes came to the top, and he was the ruler over the land at the time. Antiochus Epiphanes was a terrible, terrible leader and a terrible ruler, horribly persecuting the Jewish people. And so eventually there was a revolt that took place. There's a guy by the name of Judas Maccabee who kind of gathered the Jewish people and said, we are not going to take this anymore. 
Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes is destroying our religion and our practices and desecrating our temple, and we're not going to take it anymore. So they kind of have this group of people kind of rise up, and they begin to revolt against the Romans. Uh, there's a story uh, that after this first revolt, Judas Maccabee comes back up to Jerusalem, and the people hailed his presence with praises and the waving of palm branches. And then about 20 years later, his brother Simon, he worked up, there's a second revolt, and his brother Simon was kind of the leader of the second revolt. And again, he comes up to Jerusalem after conquering uh, some of the territory. And this is recorded in the book of Maccabees, 1 Maccabees chapter 13, which is an intertestamental period book. Some of your Bibles might include it, some don't. It's a longer conversation. We can talk about it later. On the 23rd day of the second month, in the 100th 171st year, the Jews entered it with praise and palm branches and with harps and cymbals and stringed instruments and with hymns and songs because a great enemy had been crushed and removed from Israel. The palm branch actually became a symbol of a revolt against a foreign oppressive empire. In fact, after the first and second revolt, they minted coins that included a palm tree as a way of saying this is our, uh, it's a symbol of our nationalistic cause. This is who we are. We will rise up and we will revolt against any oppressive empire that stands in our way. So now fast forward about 100 years later to Jesus. Is there a oppressive a foreign empire that's ruling over the land at the time? Yes, Rome. Rome is ruling over the land. And so um, we'll stop there. Okay, songs. Number four, songs. Every Passover, they would sing what were known as the Hallel Psalms. Psalm 113 to 118, they would sing these psalms together uh, as they came down to Jerusalem. And Mark tells us that they were singing specifically Psalm 118, 25 to 26. Uh, I'll read these verses here. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The phrase, save us. In Hebrew, hoshia, say hoshia. Hoshia means save us. The next word is na. Say na. Na means please or now. Hoshia na. Hoshia na. Save us please or save us now, which is where we get the word Hosanna. Hosanna means please save us or save us now. Now, if you think about this phrase in light of these other things that are going on, what is it that they are asking Jesus to do? They're asking Jesus to save them from the foreign oppressive empire of Rome. And I don't think this was a, a worship song that they were singing. I think it's more of a, hey, your house is on fire. You're stuck on the second floor and you are yelling at a firefighter down outside. Please save us. It's a desperation cry. 
Please save us. Hosanna. They are wanting Jesus to be the new Moses. They are wanting Jesus to help bring freedom to the oppression that they are feeling at this new Passover. Hosanna, please save us. People on that Palm Sunday, they laid down their cloaks, they laid down or they waved their palm branches, they sang their songs out of desperation, but their, their hopes and their dreams of who they wanted Jesus to be was not who Jesus was. And they were met with disappointment because they were hoping and anticipating that Jesus would be this kind of king. They wanted Jesus to come in riding on a stallion with a spear in his hand and said, let's go get him. Instead, Jesus comes in on a donkey. And he sees their cloaks and he sees the palm branches and he hears the cries. Save us. And he comes over the hill of the Mount of Olives and he sees the city of Jerusalem and he just weeps. He weeps because how in the world have you guys missed it? You've missed the whole thing. You've missed, you've missed my mission. You've missed my message. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. This is who I am. This is who I'm called to be. Yet they are wanting Jesus to just help relieve them of this situation that they're in with the Romans. And Jesus says, no, I've got something way bigger and way better for you. Jesus doesn't just come to bring freedom from the Romans. Jesus comes ultimately to bring freedom, offer freedom to all people at all times for all of eternity. Right? I mean, the irony of what people were really, really, really wanting Jesus to be and what he ultimately offered, they don't even come close. But this is who they wanted him to be. And they were sorely disappointed. In fact, I think they were so disappointed. I think some of these people who were waving these palm branches a few days later were standing at the foot of the cross saying, crucify him. Because they missed it. Because Jesus wasn't who they wanted him to be. And they were disappointed and even angry. Jesus wasn't just coming to bring freedom from the oppression of a Roman Empire. Jesus was coming to offer freedom for all people, for all time. Jesus was not just a king who had some coronation ceremony. Jesus was the king of kings and the Lord of lords who was humble enough to come in riding on a donkey. And yet, even in the midst of this pressure and this, these hopes to be this, he said, I'm not this. I've got something better in store for you. Sometimes I think we also have these hopes or these expectations of who we want Jesus to be or what we want Jesus to do for us. 
And sometimes what we pray and what we want Jesus to do for us is not our reality, and we are disappointed. And maybe we're more than disappointed. Maybe we're just angry. And I think it's okay to be angry sometimes when you don't, when this, you know, we have this gap here. I think that's okay sometimes. But I think even in the midst of our disappointment, in the midst, in the midst of our anger maybe, do we still trust that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? And do we still trust that he has a plan for our lives? So when we are disappointed because vacation didn't go the way we wanted it to, or when we are disappointed because we don't get into the program that we thought we were supposed to get into since we were like in third grade, or when we're disappointed because this relationship didn't pan out the way you wanted it to, or when we're disappointed because family health wasn't, you know, what we wanted it to be for every family member for all of time. Life is hard. All of us have these different things that we're wrestling with, that we're struggling with, that we're frustrated with, that we're disappointed in, or just downright pissed off about. Right? But who are we and who is Jesus in the midst of, of these disappointments that we are feeling? Can we trust him enough to know that he has a bigger, better plan for our lives? Close with these words from Isaiah 55. I was thinking about these words this week. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. My hope is that as we remember this story, or as we look at the story, or maybe as we review the story the next year and the next year or whatever, that we will remember these people who came and had these hopes and these expectations and these dreams of who Jesus would be. The people who threw down their cloaks, who waved their palm branches, who sang out of desperation, Lord, save us. That we remember that these people were disappointed. I'm so glad that they were. Because what Jesus offered us instead is far better. Please pray with me. Jesus, we, we confess that sometimes life is hard Often, life is hard. And we confess that we get frustrated or disappointed or even angry when things don't go the way that we think they are supposed to go. So God, I just, I just pray for the, my friends who are here in this room and the things that they are struggling with or wrestling with or the, the, the disappointments that they are currently facing. God, I pray that you will help me See you for who you really are and not who I want you to be or not who you, I hope you are. 
but for who you truly are, trusting that you have a bigger, better plan in store for our lives. So Jesus, we just give our lives to you. As the people who laid down their cloaks, we want to also lay down our lives and say that you are worthy. And we celebrate that you have saved us. Help us to be people who trust you in the midst of our disappointments. For your ways are not our ways. Neither are your thoughts our thoughts. And you are worthy of our praise. And this is why we worship you tonight. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.